Hello and welcome to this episode of the AF Mentors podcast. This is an excellent episode with Sophia who has helped me more than she knows with marketing and with business in general. We delve into many, many things and a lot of places that I see a lot of personal trainers and myself go wrong in marketing. So hopefully this is a really useful episode. Enjoy. Hi. Um, so to give a little backstory to this, um, you offered me, this is Sophia. She offered me some help. (laughs) Basically started sending clients the wrong emails to the wrong things. And she was like, you know, that you can like segment these and you can do it much better. And that actually turned into me contracting her to do like the full back end of commit to six and the EC method. And it's so much better. The client management is so much better and the clients get a much better service. Um, not only that, but you're hugely knowledgeable in marketing, of course. Do you have, is it two marketing? Huh? I said thanks. <laughs> was it two master's degrees in marketing? Yeah, but it's because I was like desperate to get out of England and the degree that I found in Australia had um, it's a double degree with uh, a university in Boston in America. So... I did too, at the same time, basically. It was like Uh summer semester there, winter semester here. So, but yes, two masters. It sounds very posh. Well, (laughs) Um, also, and I will say that you've definitely been a bit of a rock in terms of when, when, when I've had overwhelming moments and all I needed was like a little bit of reassurance. So that was the inspiration for the overwhelm podcast. So thank you for that as well. But the reason I wanted you on today was because we had a really interesting chat about niche just in DMs and I kind of wanted to like elaborate on that and I thought it'd be really useful to people because people get this wrong a lot and get quite confused about it including myself because it's not my area of expertise um but the conversation started with I don't know if I'd screenshotted it or you'd noticed it but I'd had on my Instagram bio I work with women who I don't know want to lose body fat or something like that but it was specifically yeah. about the gender. And you were like, why have you written this? And I was like, oh, isn't like, isn't that niche? Like, isn't that what you're meant to do to, to attract your certain niche? And you were like, no. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I found it really interesting because I've been through a couple of your programs and now lucky enough to be coached one-on-one and you also coach my husband. Um, and I've seen that there's a lot of guys in the groups that I've been on the EC method. There's Ollie, if there's any listeners to that podcast on here, which I'm sure there are. So I found it kind of, I was just interested by why you'd written that. And when you said it was because of niche, I was, yeah, I guess I was a bit, um, to me, it's, it's about the execution. I think the concept of niche is, it's a, it's a good thing. Like it's a positive thing. And like the concept of having a niche is really about finding the right fit for your product or finding the right fit for your services but when it's taken to the extreme and that's what niche is like you can have a target audience like there's a segment of the population that you think get the most value from your product or your service and then a niche is kind of a segment even within that like it's a real the real pointy end of exactly who you think you want to work with and taken to the extreme I think well oftentimes gets really lost in translation and it can, it can really take you away from focusing on the other things. And I was trying to think of an analogy about what niche kind of really is that makes 
more kind of sense to your listeners because um, my background is really more in kind of product marketing or software marketing or people who build um, online digital software platforms and, and want kind of marketing help with that or growth help with that. So I talk about product and service a lot, which is it's all absolutely relevant. But when I think about this niche example, I was thinking it's so much like when someone says to you, you need to be in a calorie deficit to lose weight. And so someone says, oh, great, I'll just be on the lowest number of calories then because if I'm in a deficit, I'm in a deficit and that's going to work. And that's kind of similar to niche. If you get it wrong in the execution, you've basically blown the opportunity to have a great product suite to talk to everybody who can get value from your product. And more importantly, delivering value to the most people possible, which I know is one of your values, Emma. Yeah. Yeah, and I thought it was really interesting because like you were quite harsh in some of it, which I love. And <laughs> I think what was interesting to me was like, you kind of pointed out that it's a really simplistic way to be like, I work with women aged between 30 and 35 who have two kids and drive a Fiat Punto. And like, like people yeah. get you to be so specific and like figure out an avatar and stuff. And it, it's, it's quite like naive to think that by saying that you're gonna attract that. So it's like telling people like what you want as opposed to trying to attract that. So you might have that in your head and you're like, how do I attract this in my head? Like, how do I attract my sort of ideal client? And you do that by your wording, by your messaging, by being quite clever with it, as opposed to just saying, this is what I want. I hope that everyone's just going to flock to me now that I've said that I want yes. year old women. It's agree. Like, I think what I said to you in the message was that it's really lazy. Yeah. Um, and I don't mean that. I mean, it does sound harsh and obviously they were just kind of the DMs between us. But just, just to say I work with women, like, first of all, that's not a niche. That's 50% of the population. And second of all, if it is women that you work with, if it is so specifically that you want to work with women for whatever reason, it's you can't just kind of stop at that point. Like there's a behaviour behind it. There's, you know, women who X, Y and Z or, or you know, mums potentially or then, but then it should be parents rather than just women. So I think just to say something based on gender, I think is a little bit, you're kind of at the tip of the iceberg. You haven't actually explored the reason. And I think that if you, if you think by just, yeah, exactly. If you think by just saying, I want to work with women who have two kids who, you know, do CrossFit or are too busy to cook for themselves, et cetera, et cetera. And if you just say that, like, it doesn't mean anything. I don't know how many people actually read Instagram bios. I think it's great to have one, but people are looking at your photos. People are looking at the content you're putting out. People are looking at the way in which you speak to your audience, the types of content that you talk to types of people that you you know talk to and, and that kind of stuff I think that's much that says so much more like literally a picture is a thousand words and so I think we got into a conversation a little bit about like tone of voice and actually how your brand speaks to people like what what does your brand stand for like what do you really want people to think about when they're you know looking at your Instagram or listening to your content or you know wanting to work with you um and I think that when you when you are just in a general like marketing um I guess theory sense this concept of a target audience if you if you can define a target audience if you can talk about the people or if you can understand the people that you think will get the most benefit from your product the next step is really to develop things called customer personas around those so you might have a persona which sits on your wall and is you know I I want to work with Jess. Jess is a mum of two. She loves CrossFit but never has enough time to do it. She generally will you know 
talk to her friends about this kind of stuff. You know, she's looking out for this type of content on Instagram. She doesn't really understand a lot about, you know, uh, muscle protein synthesis or hypertrophy. She understands things about wanting to like look toned, for example. So that kind of stuff can sit on a wall or it can sit in a document and it can be really useful for you to talk to Jess. And then that's really great. But you're not going to only talk to, oh, well, Jess has got two kids. So if you've only got one kid, sorry, I can't work with you. You know, it's it's kind of common sense. And I guess that is where I kind of really see or where I try to offer a bit of value to people. And I think that's hopefully what's happened with the work that we've done is this kind of stuff can be really, it can really overwhelm people and it can really make you think that, you know, marketing is this separate entity that is so complicated and you need help with it all the time. And there's so much to consider and where do you start? But really it's, it's about common sense. Like who do you want to work with? Because most likely they're the people who will get the most value from your product. And they're probably the person who you were thinking of when you were setting it up in the first place. And you don't need to go so, so, so like, you know, laser focused on this specific person, because if you do, you will lose the rest of the people who exhibit the same behaviors, who believe the same things and who want the same results. They just don't fit into this little box that you've given them. Um, yeah, so I think, I think that for me, it's the execution. The concept around it is brilliant, but the execution of it gets a bit lost. And I think it can really overwhelm people. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think one of the best things I've got from working with you is like perspective. And I mean, dream because you came on like as like you were a client first. So you kind of saw everything from the client perspective. And then you were like, these are bits that could change. And, and even just seeing how you come across, like it's very hard as the person to see how you're coming across, but you like pointing out really yeah. stuff that should be really obvious. Like you're all about inclusivity, but yet you've just said you just work with women. Like those two things are like are opposites there. Like that kind of stuff. And you can do that yourself by doing things like exactly what you said, like asking that really quite simple question. Who do I want to work with? Like, who is my ideal client? And like some people call that an avatar, an ideal client. A, client persona I kind of like that because it means that you could have numerous different ones and you could maybe be exactly. like yeah you know this is and, and a lot of them can actually be your clients like a sort of generic client that you have who's quite similar to the rest of them but because then you really get to know that person okay what have they struggled with what are they going through at the moment what part of their life are they in what life stresses do they have and you can mm-hmm. really get quite a lot of detail about that um one of the questions we had for you actually was can you have more than one niche and like how would you deal with that or do you think that it's better to sort of like go down one path and kind of focus yeah so um definitely great point about the personas and yeah generally speaking you know in most of the companies that I work for will have anywhere between kind of three and five so you can have multiple different types of personas and you can be writing content for all of them. Um, and I think it is really important. It's like one of these things. You can't just think about a persona once. It, it is like once you've created that, you should be checking back against it for every single post you write, every single comment you create, every single um, piece of content that you put out there. Like, does this talk to, you know, one of the personas? Is this the right type of content? And, and making sure that it's really consistent. I think people really underestimate the value of consistency. So the way that you talk about yourself on your Instagram, if that's an important channel for you, 
a way that people kind of find out about your product or your brand, the way that that is then replicated, if your Instagram gives them like a call to action to go to a website to book or to purchase something, is that the same type of content, the same type of imagery, the same look and feel? Like, can someone look at your Instagram and then understand where they need to go onto your website and that, you know, they can still see the same aesthetic, they can still feel like they're being spoken to. And then once they're into the program, all the way through every touch point that you've got with them from a communication of, you know, purchase to package, you, here's your information before you start, your check-ins, all of that kind of stuff. And having consistency through tone of voice and language and imagery is so important because people don't want to feel like they've bought into something that was, you know, purely marketing. They don't. The customer journey basically starts when they purchase something from you because then they're, you know, they're a real customer. They're, you know, they're the type of customer then, if you get it right, that will be loyal. They'll be advocates, advocates for you. You know, they'll do most of the marketing for you if you can get really great loyal customers. And a big part of that is them feeling comfortable and feeling like what they were sold is what they've gotten or even better, that they've gotten more than they were sold. Um, so I absolutely think you can have, and you should have more than one target audience. Otherwise, your business is kind of focused on a, a very uh, precarious, in a very precarious place. But yeah, I think I would go so far as to say, you could waste a lot of time thinking about niche and you could put that time into something, other things that are so much more valuable. Um, and I've been, for a long time now, I've been like quite a fangirl of this guy called Simon Sinek, who he's like, he's like a behavioral, a behavioral psychologist and he's done some amazing work, but he did this. And I think I told you to watch it. I'm not sure if you had had a chance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We could, I'll yeah, so as well. yeah, please post it. He did this like, it's only 17 minutes. He did this TED talk quite a number of years ago now and it's like I think it really changed my life watching it because it to me made so much sense and when I think about niche to me I think that this is basically exactly what he was saying people that aren't that successful and companies that aren't that successful do and I'll just really briefly explain it because I think it's so useful um, so if you can imagine like a circle like a target that you would like shoot narrow in for example and the outside circle is the what and then if you go one like concentric circle in, there's the there's the how. And then in the middle, the target is the why. And this is totally paraphrased from his TED talk, by the way. I haven't thought of this. I haven't, this is not my proprietary information, although I wish it was. Um, it's funny. Like, women will always do that. They're like, by the way, this isn't mine. I don't want anyone to <laughs> copy anyone. Like this is someone else's idea. Whereas if this was like a man, he'd be like, yeah, I watched this thing once, but basically this is my Yeah, I've totally background. taken the insight. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, so so basically what, you know, the concept is that the most successful companies don't talk about the what, they don't talk about the how. Most people know what they do. Not many people know how they do it and hardly anybody knows why they do it. And the why is the most important part. It's about the beliefs you have. It's the things that make you get out of bed in the morning. And it's the things that, if you can talk about properly, make somebody else care. So he talks a lot of, as examples for like from Apple, because obviously it's a very universal brand. Most people understand it. And he says, if you start from the outside in, if you start talking about the what and the how, a marketing message might sound from Apple, might sound something like, we make computers they're beautifully designed, easy to use and user-friendly. Do you want to buy one? So we say, we talk about a, a feature or a function and we expect a behavior. And to me, that's what niche is. I work with mums, I work with busy people, I work with women who want to lose weight, but are too busy looking after their kids to be able to focus on 
you know, themselves. Do you want to work with me? Like, yeah, I mean, great. If I'm a mom and I'm too busy to focus on myself, that's kind of compelling. But there's no different differentiator to me between your product and your competitor's product. But he flips it. He says, if you focus on the why, and if you start a marketing message with the why first, an example of a marketing message from Apple might be something like, everything we do, we challenge the status quo. We believe in thinking different, thinking differently. The way we think differently is by making, making products that are beautifully designed, easy to use, user-friendly. We just happen to make computers. Do you want to buy one? And you can tell it's so much more uh, powerful because you're talking about your beliefs. And so if you were a, 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 you know, a fitness coach, rather than just saying, I make fitness you know, programs for busy mums, you might say something like, I believe that every family deserves to be happy. Happiness to me comes from being able to run around with your children and do the things with them that you wish you were, you wish you were able to do. I believe everyone, you know, has the right to prioritise their health and fitness. I make, you know, easy to understand online courses that are, you know, pay for a, a fixed price or whatever you do. Do you want to buy one? Like that to me is so much more powerful. And it really, it really tells you that, and this is another thing that he mentions all the time. People don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it. And it's because people make a connection and they understand and it's an emotive piece to work with somebody who believes what you believe, not just sells something that you think you need. And if you can crack that belief or that value piece about what it is that you offer and why you offer it and why somebody should care, it's far more powerful. And it's been proven. There's you know, an incredible amount of research that customers are more loyal, employees are more loyal, businesses are far more sustainable when they focus on values rather than focus on, I guess you could say features or functions. So yeah, the goal is the goal isn't to do business with people who need what you're selling. It's to do business with people who believe what you believe. And he gives a really great example about, you know, there's people that stand outside, you know, Apple stores for hours, like overnight, like they camp out just to get the first iPhone. And they're not doing that when you can go into the shop, you know, and buy one the week after or whatever. And it's not because, you know, they want a phone that's got those incredible features. Like they believe that by being being first says something about them. And that's why they do it. And Apple to them is like the embodiment of their beliefs and their values. And that's why you'll buy, you know, a phone from Apple, a computer, a TV screen, all of that stuff, because you believe in the, in the what they're offering. But if like Dell or somebody else told you to buy a phone from them, you, you would laugh. You'd have no idea. Why would you buy a phone from a computer company? But that's something that we all do all the time. Yeah. And it's because it's because we believe in what their, you know, their values. But if we saw an ad for Apple, which was just like um here's our new computer here's all the functions we would be like well hang on that's not that doesn't really i mean they've built a brand so they probably could put one or two yeah, ads no, <laughs> they can do they would be there but if they forgot about the values and they went focused on oh here's a discount 20 percent off laptops people don't buy apple for the price it's nothing to do with the price it's to do with the beliefs and the values um and so to me that's my issue that's my issue with me it's not that i've got an issue with it but if people spent as much time thinking about their niche as they did on their why and their beliefs, they would have far more customers, they'd have much more loyalty, and they'd have advocates within their communities that talk about their business for them, which is the absolute like pinnacle of marketing, is to have other people doing it for you, referrals and promoters. So yeah. and um, that, was a that, sorry. <laughs> that is absolute gold because it's so much of what we talk about. Like we so focused on starting your business with your values and figuring out what your values are first and what your business values are first and that that is like the fundamental 
and you're right like then it, it then it's not only that like your customers become like marketing for you but you're passionate about what you do and I think as a personal trainer like that that's like a gift it's so important you're not re- like you're selling a product but it's not the same as like I don't know someone who works at Apple might not be in love with Apple but like you can be in love with your business like you kind of should be in love with your business if it's based on your yeah. values because you're a person you like yeah it's the it's your purpose I mean values and purpose are so aligned but if if you you know there's like oh, I can't remember what it is there's this quote that you know, there was a guy in Italy building a cathedral and, and every day he had like a new brick. Like he was just literally laying bricks and this cathedral wasn't going to be finished for like years and years and years. But he every day he went and he laid this brick and brick and brick. And someone was like, God, like, wow, you're just a bricklayer. Like, you know, that must be a really crazy. He's like, I'm building a cathedral. Like he's, per- he's for purpose. Like he understands the bigger picture. And when like employees and staff and obviously customers and um, advocates for your brand as well, when they can see the like the bigger picture, the future, uh, the vision, if they can really understand your vision, it doesn't matter if like you send them the wrong email here or there or they, they understand like the bigger, I mean, it does matter, but <laughs> They're, they're not they're not you know they're not just they're not transactionally in in like in your product or in your brand for eight weeks like they're there like they're they're you know they understand what they're going to be getting from you they know the value of it like they believe in what you believe they're not just there because you've sold them an eight-week program and I think it's a really interesting like time to talk about this too because a lot of well in I'm in New Zealand at the moment most of the companies I work for in Australia and in America as well there's this huge thing called the great resignation like everybody's leaving their jobs after COVID they've realized that you know sitting in their homes for years or a couple of years have made them realize like what is my career like what am I doing like what is the purpose of my life at the moment and all of these companies who have purpose who are really clear and really articulate about what they do for the community for the environment you know, like how they're shaping the future for, you know, the next generation. They're the companies because it's not about salary. Like you can't, it's at the market's at a point at the moment where you can't just keep, you know, paying people exorbitant amounts. And it's not, and they're not in it for that. They're in it for believing in something that is like bigger than they are because they've, you know, been, they've not had that opportunity in the past. And I think it's really a lot of people now, there's this whole thing, the green economy and, you know, there's a lot of like new types of jobs that are kind of coming up too. like this, you know, head or head of customer has been around for a long time, but it's all about like purpose and values. And I think the quicker that people, it's not an easy thing to do, by the way, don't let, get me wrong. Like, I'll just spend a bit of time. Like it's like making a persona. It's not, it's like, it's your core beliefs. And, um, but the, the quicker you can realize that focusing on that is so much more valuable than deciding whether or not, you know, you, you work with people that have got two kids or one kid is um just to be trivial but yeah is is so much more valuable and if you can articulate that across your channels so your social media your website your you know thanks for signing up emails if you can get that across you'll have customers for life and you'll have a product suite for life too because you've not niched yourself into a corner where you've only got one thing that suits one person really or one yeah. group of people i think the purpose thing is is so important and I think like this is what I was trying to get at for those watching like in the sales call kind of information that we were doing is is like you could either say this is my eight week program you get two workouts a week and then you also get a meal plan and you get new recipes and blah 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 but like no one really buys into that they're buying into working with you because of your values and because of the community you're creating or because of like the 
the purpose that you're creating, I guess, or the value base that you have. And that's what you need to sell first. And I really like the structure of why and then like moving out to what, because people do still want to know what, right? They're not going to sign up like, oh, yeah, the values sound great, but I'll just buy something that I don't know what it is. Like they still want to know the what, but like that comes down. They're like, it's oh, I'm so excited weird. about this. Like even as you were talking, I'm like, I'm so excited about this. Like what? Are you <laughs> and then it's like, and it's a computer, like or whatever it is at the end. It's like, the, and the way that you put it, like, yeah, it just it it sells so much better and it makes you want to be part of it like this is what I care about and this is how I have created something that links to that yeah. value that I care about that I think that you care about too or that if yeah you and I think you're going to want to hear about more of this yeah. yeah absolutely and the constant reminders of that of that purpose and that value but yeah I think when it trans from thinking about that why or sorry the what or the how is like the transactional bits like the inclusions if you like like most I mean tell me if I'm wrong but a lot there aren't you can't just continually evolve and add and add and add to the to the list of the inclusions like pretty much most programs give you some set of similar you know access to a coach access to a training platform access to nutrition you know maybe there's some merch involved or some events but there isn't that that list can't grow like that that list isn't the differentiator and like exactly right people kind of want to tick off like great I get access to my coach I get the program that I need I get the food list that I want and the calories whatever I need to get but that isn't the stuff that's compelling to them because that stuff on their own they can like you say all the time like that stuff exists you could google it like you could try and do that yourself it's not about that it's the application of it via that purpose or that value. And, and that's why you work with a coach. And, and every coach has really different values and different a different purpose. But the ones that do the best are the ones that can articulate it the best and the ones that can articulate it the most consistently. And I really can't, um, you know, add, I can't kind of uh, put importance enough on how much even that post-purchase experience and user journey, like something like I think you and I have spoken about a lot is how one of your values is about being, you know, very simple. And I think a lot of the content you put out makes really complex stuff sound very approachable and, and you're learning a lot of really complex information. But when you're talking about it, to me, it sounds like it makes sense and, and it's easy to digest. But then if you were to send me an email once I purchased one of your programs that was just pages and pages of content and documents here and then there's all these links and it's really confusing to use and I don't understand how to, you know, engage with the content that would be really different to me from what you're like when you're talking through your podcast, because it's very simple and, and, and really easy to, not simple, but it's, you know, you make things sound quite simple. So I think that that retention piece around getting somebody in with your values and then being able to consistently get them, you know, get them in front of people. It's like a, it's like a vision. Imagine you had like a group of employees and your employees go from five all sitting in an office with you to 50 that are sitting in a bigger office to 500 that are sitting in, you know, offices around the world, potentially. How do you keep them focused? How do you keep your customers focused on the vision and the mission and, and what you want to, you know, achieve in the world? Because that's what's motivating. Yeah. And I think that was something I struggled with a little bit. And I, 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 feel like maybe other people have this as well but when I'm on social media when I'm on Instagram when I'm on my podcast like I'm very much me and then as soon as someone emails me I'll be like hello sir thank you for your inquiry I'll just get back within and it's like it's not me and they and I, weirdly I think that they won't know me on email and like I'm introducing myself for the first time and like I need to be this professional blah 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 
but I've, I've like slowly come to realize that actually that you can still be yourself and actually they're probably quite confused by this email that they're getting that sounds like a completely different person and actually it's still like, yeah. it's like hey, so nice to hear from you love ESG like it can like it can be more friendly because that's the way that I am honestly I think it's a really British thing to have to have like an email tone it's like you know when you if you ever used to have a landline and you would have had a landline in your house we used to have to answer my phone it was like in a phone voice 3947 that was our phone number whatever it was and it was like you had to be so proper on the phone you had to be so proper over email you have to be so professional because it's like this written medium but it, it isn't. It's another way of someone to be able to get in contact with you. And I mean, a lot of a lot of customers that I work with now don't even use email anymore. A lot of it's, I mean, they're not in fitness, so they don't have to respond to a lot of that kind of, you know, direct customer stuff. But like, uh, there's a platform called Slack that most people use, a lot of people use now. And it's really conversational. You know, it still needs to be like spelling, punctuation and grammar still needs to be on point because you're that is a representation of your brand as well. But it doesn't have to be, you know, these stock not not kind of stock standard but like really overly verbose and and yeah not really on brand emails so I think that's a really good point like you don't have to as soon as somebody you know does inquire or you kind of get them you know talking to you more directly you don't need to change that tone like certainly you want to offer a level of uh, credibility and, and sometimes that does come with a bit of seriousness but a really good way to think about this kind of stuff is to think about tone of voice so one of the kind of um, projects that I usually work with new founders or somebody who's launching a new business is to go through this customer persona target audience kind of concept. But they usually have a target audience, but we, we get really clear about it. Um, and then we go through a tone of voice and I ask questions like, okay, if there was a scale of, you know, fun and serious, where would your brand fit? If your brand was um, a person at a party, what type of words would you use to describe them? Like, are they the type of person who, if they're, in a conversation with somebody and somebody walks over, they stop the conversation, explain where the conversation is at and in involve you, or they're the kind of person that just smiles, says hello, and then goes back to the conversation. Like those types of personality traits, types of, you know, words to describe your brand and the way that you want customers to use it are really important. And so a lot of some of the customers that I work with, one of them is a quite complex energy um, electric vehicle charging company, which, I mean, just the premise of it is, you know, a little bit technical. But we don't want our customers to be overwhelmed by, you know, lots of language about charging stations and plugs and sockets and, and et cetera, et cetera. So we want to be, you know, but we want them to know that they can trust us, like they're going to put their like $100,000 car plug, you know, plug into our station. So they need to, you know, believe in our brand and trust us. But we want to be kind of witty, um, and err on the side of seriousness, but we want people to think of us as a fun brand. Like we're, you know, we're in the like the renewable energy space. It's not like we're, you know, in the dark ages. Like the, the whole concept of what we're doing is, you know, innovative and creative. If we start talking about like specifications and we'll lose people. Another company that I work for, it builds digital apps and products for people. And a lot of their customers have been really burnt by this sense of jargon. And, and, you know, we pay people hundreds of thousands of dollars and they, you know, bugger off with our money and we don't know what's going on and we feel really disconnected and, and you know, it's, it's so complicated. So we, our tone of voice guide literally says, we don't use jargon. Like we don't say things like we are, we say we're. Little things like that, we use short sentences, you know, we use a lot of punctuation to make it sound like we're talking to people so that they can trust us, you know, yes, we're going to do something that which you probably don't understand, you don't know how to build an app, but we're going to speak to you like human beings, because we are the human beings behind the products that we're building for you. 
So I think having a tone of voice guide or at least putting a bit of thought into what do I want to sound like to my customers? And that isn't just pre-purchase on social media. It's across, you know, the whole breadth of the communications that you put out. And sometimes it's good to just map out those communications. Like where do you actually talk to customers? And obviously emails is an important one, but the Facebook groups that you maybe operate or the webinars that you do, that kind of stuff, like is that tone consistent? Um, and it's a good like thing to kind of spend a bit of time thinking about, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's something I've thought about a lot when, when we were talking about um, like different personas. Like it's something I obviously have to think about because I'm selling to personal trainers, I'm selling to clients, I'm selling mm. education and mentoring. And it's like slightly different wording slightly, and, and they have obviously slightly different problems. They're slightly different situations in slightly different niches, blah, blah, blah. Like the wording that I would use or the way that I would talk to those people is slightly different. And I guess that, yeah, like that's just an interesting way to kind of like, okay, this is how it needs to be for each one. And something that I do ask myself frequently in life and in business is just like how do I want to come across in this situation like before mm-hmm. I come on a podcast okay who is this for who do I want to resonate with it how do I want to come across how do I want to show up and like action that make sure that you are going to show up in that way and I think that's that's quite important but this has been like there's a couple of people that have just commented the mind blown emoji <laughs> I think um, just on that about the engagement the engagement piece um I think it's really if you're going to spend a lot of time creating content like writing a blog or doing a podcast it is really useful to have somebody in mind that you think would get value from it but it's also really useful to then assess if that audience is engaging with it or not and that's a really good metric of success so if you're you know if you're not getting the right type of person listening to your podcast or reading your blogs or going to your website then that should be an indicator to you that there's something that isn't that's misaligned so use it at the objective point but also use it as a metric of success like is that the right type of content for my audience and that's a trial and error thing and so how like how would you assess that um I'd have a look at the types of you know if the goal of the I mean podcasts are quite awareness building and brand building so it's difficult to get demographics kind of based on that but you're going to get a sense of who is listening from the comments potentially um, realistically, though, I guess the overarching goal is to get people to work with you. So it's the type of inquiries that you're going to get through. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so I'd have a think about that, that type of, you know, am I getting the right type of inquiries? Because it's difficult with a digital sense, like a podcast to understand, you're not going to ever get a really clear sense of someone's listened, what the lead time might be or what they've done in between and other touch points they've used and then they filled out the inquiry form but if a lot of the people that are inquiring on your website are not the right type of people then your channel mix or the types of ways that you're talking to people at the you know at the front I guess of your flywheel or your funnel um something's wrong there yeah that it is interesting so and another way to kind of like reverse engineer that as well is my podcast is mainly for my clients all of it almost all of it comes from check-ins so like what are people yeah. with check-ins I mean mm. it is legitimately a Q&A from client questions or it's these are themes that I've noticed and I'm going to discuss these themes or this is something I know everybody struggles with so I'm going to yeah. discuss this or this is something like the overwhelm one like that I'm feeling that you're like yeah that's what your clients feel as well I'm like oh my god <laughs> like this is a way that I can relate to them in a slightly different situation um and I think that's really useful. And, and an example of this 
from like the other perspective is I don't know if you follow Dr. Mike. Uh, maybe. So he, I know him from the He's like, he's one of my friends. Anyway, he sometimes complains that he'll put like a question post up and he's like, all anyone asks me about is like protein bars and how I take my toast or something. Because that, that's essentially that's the content he puts out. I'm like, Mike, why do you think people are asking you that? He's like, oh, I don't know. I never get any good questions on it. And I'm like, yeah, because you consistently put out content about rating protein bars out of six or or the toast that you're eating and how this is the best piece of toast you've ever eaten. And it's like, it works both ways. If you start, and I've noticed this like really simply with story questions is like, if I start talking about something, let's say it's a certain training split or the fact I do pull up thoughts or something. And then like the next story is ask me a question. They'll always be about the ones previously because you've just stimulated someone in some, some like something in someone's yeah. head. So if you're like, right, I really want to work with, I don't know, menopause or women start talking about it and then put a question box or like start talking about something related to the question yeah. that area and then they're like oh, I'm already thinking about that I wonder in this situation what like there's always a question in their head and then you put the box so instead of just having it randomly there and like off the cuff if I was like so if you, do you have any questions for me right now you'd be like uh not totally sure <laughs> but if I had like specified about x y or z you're like oh actually yeah I, I could yeah. think something on that topic. So it's like leading a little bit is going to be much more useful yeah, and remembering what you talk about, really. Uh, yeah, I think it's educating your audience as to the types of val pieces of value and the content where you, you know, can offer the most to them. And, and if you are putting up a lot of content specific to, you know, one area, you're kind of teaching your audience that this is where I'm really focused. This is where it's almost like your niche. <laughs> but what we've obviously you know, spent a lot of time today talking about is, the breadth of, you know, there's a lot of things you can teach people and, and you, you know, you're in charge of like a content strategy or, you know, the types of things you want to talk to them about. So if that content strategy aligns to the values and the beliefs and the types of things that you want to do in the world, then it's pretty broad. If it's focused on, you know, just back to the original thing, like, you know, Jess with her two kids, like it's probably going to be a little bit, or not two kids, but we have a whole train of other traits to that too. It's going to be very narrow and very focused and you're going to, you know, it's, you can only talk about some things for, you know, so often they get quite repetitive. So I think keeping it, you know, focused on values and beliefs gives you a lot of scope and, and that's where it's exciting. That's where I'm sure you get the questions that, you know, excite you the most and motivate you the most and give you the most to talk about. And again, it's like a circle back to where you can offer the most value because it's the breadth of content and it's the breadth of information. And what's amazing as well is you get much better clients. And I don't mean better as in like they stay longer or they're willing to pay more or they don't ask as many annoying questions or anything like that. I just mean like if you put, if you know your values and you put your content out in line with your values and you live in line with your values, you attract people with the same values and they're so much easier and nicer to work with. And then you're like, like work and life is just so much better because you're much better wavelength yeah you're working with people who believe what you believe I mean there's there's some there's some, also some amazing examples in that TED talk but um realistically if, 
you know, the people who believe what you believe, they're, they're in there they're with you kind of, you know, they're lifelong customers. And if you talk about metrics and things, like they're the ones that are going to give you that the long-term value. They're the ones that are going to try. They want to be part of your new program that you're not really even sure about if it works or not. But they're like your fans. They're the ones that will talk to their friends and, and anybody they can about you. They'll share your podcasts. They'll, you know, you know share your Instagram. They'll do whatever they need to do. And, and they're so you know, better not because they're, like you said, not because they're spending more, but because they're like advocates for who you are. And, and if you're what, so if your why and your values are, you know, for a positive impact in, in even your small community or, you know, more broadly the world, like that's, they're the people that make change and they're the people that you want on your side. Um, and I, so I think it's, it's incredibly important to, to find them, find your, it's about like kind of finding your tribe. Like you want to find the people that will stand outside for overnight to get your first course just because yeah. it means something to them, not because it means something to you. Yeah. And it was interesting, actually, because we went through when we moved over from MailChimp to Active Campaigns. And I've got different lists of clients for, you know, Commit to Six, EC Method, EIQ, AFM, like, and it was funny, the like crossover. It was like, oh, this person's done yes. one, Commit to Six. Yes, like, EC method and now they're on AF mentors oh and they're, they're also on the list to sign up for the next year exactly. it's you're actually it's quite a small group but again like you don't need a huge amount of people you need people who are have the same values as you are similar to you and can benefit from what you're creating yeah I mean and you're then you start to create products for them because they move through different life cycles and different stages in their you know careers maybe going into becoming a PT and or you know etc cetera, etc cetera. but they're, yeah, they're the types of people you should focus it on. And, and I think having a niche can keep you quite focused on one or two products and realistically a broader product suite, you know, is, is a really good goal for, for most businesses. Um, I, yeah, I think I heard, I listened to a podcast. Anyway, I won't go, anyway, it's fine. But, um, but yeah, having a bigger product suite is, is good. And I think that, um, yeah, people who can kind of grow with your business and that you can grow with them because you understand them and because they can see value, like your beliefs, though you have different products and though you speak to those different audiences slightly differently, your beliefs are, are, are the same across that. Like it's not like suddenly you go from being really, you know, making things approachable and easy to understand and digestible to being, you know, you know, writing, you know, theses is if you're a, in AF mentors, like it's still, it's still the same beliefs. You still want to add the same types of value and you still want to have the same impact. It's just executed slightly differently depending on target audience. And that's exactly what you should be doing. You should be adapting and growing and being agile enough to have products and services that meet different growing market demands without having put yourself in a box like, I only work with women who want to lose weight before their wedding. Okay, well, that's a very small amount of people and they are only in that stage maybe for a year maybe not but what happens once they're married <laughs> what do they not have a program with you anymore yeah um, yeah. Think, yeah thinking more broadly sometimes is better than thinking more more focused being more focused with a with a with a niche in in, in that sense yeah I agree and it, like I think exactly what you were saying about you then end up creating products for your like meat or your tribe if you will like I noticed doing EIQ that so many people needed business help and it was like you guys mm. are phenomenal coaches but there's some that, bits that are missing and it's a shame because you're not putting yourself out there and you can't help as many people because you're so focused and like a lot of personal trainers do this they're so focused on just being a good coach and they think that that's enough and I wish it was in some ways but it's not like you need to be able to 
market yourself properly, which is part of what AF Mentors is. It's like, you need to be able to put yourself out there so you can work with more people so you can help more people. But there was like that element missing. And I was like, I need to create this for those people. Hence AFM. Yeah, I mean, and that's a really, that's a really authentic, it's a really genuine way to think about products and, and how you can offer more value rather than, you know, like a SWOT analysis or a competitors and, and where's the fit and where's the mark, like, you've seen it, like, it's your people tell, basically telling you, like, this thing is missing and you're creating it for them. Mm. And so you're going into market with a really defined audience with a really clear problem you're solving and with a captive group of people who want to hear about it, like, there's not really a better way to launch a new product agreed right so before we finish i want to make it i want a couple of kind of top tips so i definitely agree with the whole it's it's good to have numerous sort of product lines potentially but where a lot of our personal trainers are at the moment is just growing online and so i think Mm. sometimes that that is a time for a bit more focus and potentially like you nail that first before you maybe move on in the future what would be like your top tips for like a newbie sort of coming into personal training maybe moving on to online coaching in terms of marketing like probably a lot of what we've gone over but like in a snappy (laughs) what what do you think the fundamentals are to sort of start building up your client base or what are things that could be like relatively easily implemented or, or like top level these are the things you should focus on instead of feeling like you yep. said before like marketing can seem like a different language and really overwhelming and oh my god do I need an avatar and a niche and a, I don't know who my mm-hmm. niche is I'm just starting like where do people yeah. start with values kind of yeah definitely so I'll just always like take a breath because this stuff can be a bit overwhelming but really think it's it's like it's not rocket science it is common sense so you know why you do what you do. You know why you want to be a personal trainer. Like there's something inside of you, whether it's an experience you've had, you know, in the gym or someone who's been a coach to you. Like there's, a, there's, a, there's something in, in you which knows why you want to work with people. And if you, whether or not you can articulate it, it's, it's kind of, a, it's not irrelevant, but it's okay if you can't articulate it. You just need to think about and be really clear who will get the most value from your product. And it can be a broad set of people. It can be, you know, uh, it can be like people who have prioritized, you know, haven't got time to make do meal prep or prioritized, you know, work or children or who have kind of lost their opportunity or lost the you know, prioritization in their mind that their health is important. Like it can be broad like that. But I think you just need to be able to and actually be able to write down like this is the type of person who will get the most value from what I want, what I want to sell to them. So it's like when you journal, like it's just writing it down can be really useful And if you can write down who will get the most value from your product, that's a great starting point because then you'll be able to understand, okay, this is the type of, and it is good to put like a persona around it. And really all that means is that you're putting, you you know, when I do personas, I put like a face on it. Like it's an actual person and it's a name and it's an age and, you know, it can be a location if you're going to do global, um, you know, online stuff or it doesn't have to be if you're kind of more face-to-face. But if you can really get clear on who this person is, where they, you know, where they get their information from, the types of language that they're going to listen to, like how much time have they even got to absorb this content? Like that kind of stuff, if you think about it from that point of view, 
it's really clear because you can imagine it could be a friend of yours. It could be like your mum, for example, or, you know, somebody in your family. You can put yourself in their shoes and think, what does this person, where are they going to get the most value and how can I get in front of that person? So just, I think, approach it. This is a person I want to talk to. How do I talk to them? I've got to be really clear about what it is that I do, like in my own mind. I've got to be able to write that down. Like some people might prefer to it's like an elevator pitch so that's a pretty old old school concept but knowing what you do within a couple of sentences is always really good even from a having a tagline on your website so I think that for me that would be the first step and it and I and I would always suggest doing something like making a couple of customer personas or even having a bit of a tone of voice guide you know you don't really need one unless you're training somebody else to write copy for you but sometimes it's great for you as well just to remind yourself like we don't use really long, overly complex sentences. So check back against that when you are creating content. And I think a lot of this stuff as well, and it's quite, um, you know, it's different to, these things aren't set in stone. Like I'm not telling you to go and buy a billboard that says you work with people who don't prioritize their health. Like you're not spending hundreds of thousands of pounds on these types of things. You're testing. And that's the beauty of digital products and digital platforms like Instagram and, and, and you know, social media, because, if you're engaged enough to put some content out there, learn from it and iterate on what things did and didn't work, you'll get yourself to a point where you're really clear and you've got the right audience. So don't, you know, don't, you don't have to um, have it fully nailed. And, and oftentimes I work with founders who are like, right, I've got a budget of like $25,000 to build this brand new website. And it's, it's for a, like a service. I'm like, why? We, do, we don't know what we want the website to do yet. We're not sure what functions and features people are going to really engage with. We just need to kind of test. So there's this concept called an MVP or a minimum viable product. And a lot of time, if you can approach things in that way, learn, test, learn and iterate is a really good approach to this kind of stuff. So I think thinking that it's like once you decide it once, you're there and it's nailed. It's not. We don't, we don't live in, you know, we're not buying print ads in, you know, the, the press and stuff. We're not spending hundreds of thousands of pounds. Like we're just testing and we're learning and we're learning from our customers. And I think that's so crucial. Let them tell you what they're engaged with. Let them tell you what they want to hear. Keep on top of that kind of stuff. So think about who it is you want to work with. Try a few messages in front of that audience. Find out which ones do and don't resonate. And it can be as simple as literally a different, a few different types of ads that you run or a few different types of um, posts that you put out. Things like that. I think just... Um, yeah, just just really realizing your goal is to help people. Your goal isn't to sell people things they don't need. You're not like cold calling. You're adding value. What you do adds a lot of value. And, and you should be the most prominent advocate of the value you add. And if you're at a point where you think, oh, I'm not sure if what I'm doing is adding value or I'm trying to sell this, this whole marketing things a bit, you need to think about your values and you need to think about what it is you're offering because when you realize that you are doing things that have a positive impact in the world, it doesn't become a sell. It's about getting as many eyes and reach on that message because that impact will spread. So I think, you know, really thinking about who is going to add, who you, who's going to get the most value from your products and services and how you can get that product in front of them is a really authentic way of approaching it. And I think that will see a lot of people through quite a big chunk of that initial setup of marketing because you're focused on adding adding good and you're focused on a positive impact, not, oh, I've got to make all this money or whatever it is. And that will obviously come. Um, yeah. And it's, yeah, that would be it's a, it's a byproduct, isn't it? Like the money comes as byproducts once you nail those things down. And I think a lot of people get overwhelmed with 
what app should I use or which, you know, should I be on MailChimp or should I be doing this or like all this sort of technology side of it. And actually that comes like way further down the line. And like you're saying, you iterate on that, like you might change things. You, you might realize that you pick this app and nobody likes it and no one's using it. And you don't have to set that in stone. Like you can then come back and be like, oh, okay, people actually prefer it when we go back to the old version of that. And, and they much like that. Like, and also just like, yeah. saying, like ask your clients what they want and what they value and what would be most helpful to them and then iterate on that. And that's exactly what I just did with AFM. Like essentially the first sort of six months, I would say, was a bit of an MVP. Do people actually want this? Can I give people the value that they need? Can I help people grow their business? And then I'd be like, yes, I can, but this, this needs to be improved. This bit isn't great. This is way more user-friendly. Let's make these changes. Let's make it like really in line with my goals now, with my values now. And then let's like double down on it and move it forward. And like, those are some of the yeah. things that have happened and like everyone can see, like if you're looking for that in process, like that's exactly what we've done with, with AFM. So yeah, kind of like, and the business is organic, like, and marketing is organic as well. And you're going to change and your values are going to change as well. And it was like, yeah. I was talking to Amelia about this because she used to be a bikini girl and she used to sell fat lots and she used to get people to compete and she used to prep people. And now she does like almost the complete opposite of that. And part of that is because she went through that journey and her values have changed and like the message she wants to give out has changed and her experiences have changed. So it's not about being like, I am X in this box and I will deliver X in this box. You're probably going to change and, and your audience is probably going to change with you or like different people. Yeah, you're going to evolve. Yeah. You're yeah. going to bring all the knowledge and all the insights that you've received and, you know, you're going to, that's, and that's what your customers want. They want, but, you know, if Apple came out and just stuck with version one of their iPhone, like, <laughs> yeah, things change and evolve and people do. And, and it's, you know, it's, it's, the world is not static. I mean, no one expects you to be static, but the worst thing you can do is to go out there like guns blazing, you know, day one of your product. You've spent all this money on process and technology and you've, you know, you've carved your USP or your, you know, positioning out of like stone and you're setting it. Like you, you want to learn. People want to learn and you want to learn with them. They're moving and they're changing. And if anything in the last two years have taught you, you know, the businesses that could pivot, the businesses that were focused on values and beliefs and they, you know, brought these industries that used to be so physically focused, they're, they're now online. It's changed the world, like telehealth, for example. Um, those people have done the best and they continue to do the best because they've got an attitude, you know, they're, they're not in a fixed, you know, fixed mindset. They see growth and they see opportunity and they see change as a good thing, even though it might be quite scary. Um, but yeah, I mean, in terms of like tech and there's a whole other conversation in that, but if you're if you're brand new and you're just starting out and you've got like a handful of clients, you don't even need an email platform. You can just email people. And These that works. Yeah, there's way better. Yeah, <laughs> way better. it would go straight to that inbox. Like, yeah, exactly, exactly. The, you know, a lot of these problems come with not problems. A lot of these opportunities and challenges come with scale, and so you don't need to focus on that until it's at a point where you know your scale is impeding your growth you know not being able your, your processes and your products and your tech isn't coping with the with the growth that you've got and that's a whole nother you know thing to talk about but um yeah just keep focused on like one foot in front of the other what is the most important thing and it's adding giving as much value as you can to the people who your product will benefit the most and so just focus on that and you know obviously if you need any help with anything else yeah, but that, that is still, <laughs> it's like, it's the core message that you've told me throughout 
everything we've done together as well it's like I'm like oh kind of worrying about which tech is best to use or should I change and you're like what do you want to offer the customer and then let's work back not what's the best new app that I could use or what's something shiny and new or what do I think no yeah it's like it's a real trap and then then work backwards from that and we'll find the right tech for it yeah, it's a real trap to be stuck in a, stuck in a, being in a position where you're bending to make your tech stack for the, the platforms that you use, technology that you use, fit what you want it to, where you should really be going into any new purchase of anything like that with a really clear defined list of these are the things that are important to me. It doesn't matter if they want to sell me, you know, five other features and that's the next tier up. Like those features are not the ones that I want. I know I need it to do X, Y, and Z. And as long as it can do that, that's what I need it to do. And, and you're really clear because it's like anything, you can get really caught up in this jargon and, oh, that sounds like it's great, but you don't need that for your customers. So, yeah, I think, be and, and, and it all comes back to you being really clear. So going into something with an, a clear definition of who you want to work with, what you want to offer them and how you want to show up and how you want to leave them in the world will be, is the most important input into any of these other decisions. So, so I think being able to write that kind of stuff down is really important but I mean if you if you are in you know inspired at all by some of the things we've been talking about I really can't recommend listening to the Simon Sinek it's called the golden circle TED talk and great if you can link it because it gives you a really good bird's eye view of why people you know why some companies fail and why some companies don't and and what it really means to start with why that's his yeah book. and and I think like having those basic principles and just asking yourself like you're saying when you're putting out content and stuff like who is this helping is it the language I want to use am I getting across like my why as opposed to just what people are getting etc etc like yeah that has been gold like I'm buzzing (laughs) I'm excited to go and like implement half this stuff so I'm sure everyone will be really excited once they watch this I'm not sure how many people are watching right now because it is Saturday night but thank you very much for your time no you're so welcome it's been great to talk to you and it's yeah it's always interesting to have a chat about some of these things that you know again get kind of a bit lost in execution but even just talking about the bigger picture stuff it's so much more exciting than in the nitty-gritty and I think that motivation and reminding yourself as a founder and as a PT that owns your own business like that you know if you, if you can get clear on your vision and your mission that will keep you going really as well yeah. as exactly like it's, it's the inspiration of that as well like especially as you're like you know all this stuff is really exciting and big and like inspired by it but then it's like yeah but some of the implementation isn't like some of the you know the results that you want from fitness fat loss like they're inspiring incredible but actually the day-to-day stuff that you have to do to get there it's not always the most fun and it's kind of the same with this no you're putting you're putting the bricks aren't you it's the one brick on top of the other brick yeah yeah exactly oh I heard another one about that and it was it was I think it was about a janitor who worked at NASA or something and someone asked oh him, I've heard that one too yeah. yeah he was like oh I send people to the moon or I help send people to the moon it's like yeah that's that's like purpose that's that's yeah like, yeah Interesting. People run on the fumes of purpose. Honestly, it's something I've been realizing a lot the last few weeks. Like if they believe what they're doing has an impact, they will do it. And they'll do it with blood, sweat and tears, not just for the paycheck. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's so much research around purpose and happiness as well. And actually, you know, like people are chasing all this stuff and actually it's really purpose that matters. 
as opposed to anything else. And usually it's like really rich people that finally come to this conclusion that, oh, now I have everything. I realized actually all I ever needed was a reason, like a why, like something to get up for in the morning. Like that's what drives me. So that, and, and that's again, like why we always focus on values and why the start of AFM is like, what are your personal values? What are your business values? Why are you really doing this? And cause that's always going to keep you motivated. And that like, yeah. I would say this as cheesy as hell, but like, that's why you outwork other people. It like, it's it, some of it's work ethic, but some of it's like, it's having a passion. It's having purpose. You'll effortlessly work outwork anyone else who's building a business that's not based on their own values. Like that's, that's that secret formula of, why do I work harder than someone else? Because I fucking love what I do. And they don't yeah, because you they just try yeah. to help someone else. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, did you want to mention any website stuff with Cole? Or <laughs> do you want to mention? Um, you can um, find out more about me um, and my husband. We do, um, a, we've got a bit of a marketing agency. Obviously, Emma, I've worked with Emma and um my partner builds websites too it's authenticstatus.co got an instagram and a website my name's sophia um yeah i mean i'm super happy to have a chat with anybody about and just you know uh, like emma says the inbox is always open just to have any conversations but this stuff's really for me part of my why is to kind of you know i guess wade through the bs and and the overwhelming and keep things really back to comments like I don't believe it's rocket science like I do think a lot of this stuff people if they just believe a bit more in themselves or had a clearer you know route to get there that they would be able to do a lot of it on their own um, and I think for me it's really about empowering founders and and people who are at the early stages of their career that kind of don't know where where things can go and how it all fits in to like not go and spend hundreds of thousands of pounds on things that they don't need and to really build up confidence so that's kind of the area I, you know and I love the sound of my own voice like any marketer does so <laughs> I'm always happy to have a chat. Um, and if you just want to talk about Simon Sinek too, I'm always up for that. Yeah, well, I cannot recommend those guys enough. And Cole has just redone my website. So it's not live yet. So don't go and have a look at it yet. But I will post it in the group when it's live and you can all look at that. And it was very efficient and it was very well done. And if anyone's looking to get their website redone, then I would very much recommend. Um, and that's part of like what I want to put with AFM as well is like if you do like here are some experts that I've worked with that have got great results so trusted experts I think is a is a gold mine. so thank you very much for your time and I will stop the line. Thank you so much for having me it's been really good I've really enjoyed it if you have enjoyed this which I'm sure you have please do let me know on Instagram at AFMentors. And if you're interested in joining the mentorship with loads of absolute gold like this, then head to afmentors.com.